What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the 10th episode of the NHL podcast presented by the Hockey News. My name is Safir, and I'm joined by my co-host, Rahil, and two high-profile individuals. Rahil, want to introduce them? Absolutely. We got an exciting episode here for you guys. First off, next to Safir is one of the titans of NHL Esports, lead of Esports Strategy with the New York Islanders. It's Jordan. Thank you for joining us, Jordan. And then next to me is arguably the face of FaZe Canada, born and raised <laughs> out of Toronto as well, my man Sebastian, a.k.a. Seabass. How are we doing today, guys? I'm doing good. Thank you very much. It's, it's You're too kind with the introduction. <laughs> Trust me. I uh, appreciate the invite. This is my first time in Toronto. It's freezing, um, <laughs> but I, uh, I know what I signed up for. Yeah, and next time you come, you're not coming when it's the Santa Claus Parade, right? I, I think that's good with me. I, yeah. That's something I didn't have on my calendar. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if Toronto made a good impression with, with the very cold weather today and heavy traffic, but we're glad you're both here today. Um, and, you know, breaking news earlier this week, as you guys have announced, you know, uh, the New York Islanders in collaboration with FaZe Clan, have announced an event called Esports Night, and it's taking place at UBS Arena on December 6th. Now, Jordan, can you tell us a little bit about this event and um, sort of its significance, and what should people really expect? I think we need to take a step back quickly before actually talking about the event itself, mm -hmm. talk about a little bit about why the teams are getting into the space and why we kind of went with that event model mm -hmm. instead of kind of what you're seeing with most of the team's activations at this point with esports. So when we got into esports about a year ago, we were looking for a different way than just hosting a tournament, doing online activations, uh, a different way to engage with our fans, try to connect with local fans you know, in person, in Long Island, in New York, at UBS Arena. So we put, you know, the, the first step was to figure out how we do that, and we decided on a promo night, esports night, entire Islanders game, themed esports as part of the 50th anniversary celebration. Um, the next step was, all right, what do we plan this around? How do we get people to come to the arena? Um, and we had promised, as you, as, as, as you know, we promised everybody that if Regs and Aki both <laughs> yeah. won the championship, that we would bring them both to the arena to play um, in an unofficial kind of world championship. Um, so it was the perfect event to you know, build this around, being that it was kind of chance. I mean, it was an educated guess that you know we thought they'd, they'd have a good shot at it. Um, but when they were able to both pull it off, we knew that this is what we wanted to build this night around. And then the last part is how do we get fans to come to the arena? How do we get in front of a new audience than just the people that are currently playing NHL or, or watching NHL? Um, and the opportunity to you know collab with FaZe Clan came around, and um, you know we think that it was the perfect opportunity and, and a collaboration that both us and FaZe Clan are, are fully on board with. Um, so within the night itself, I think fans can expect to come to the arena, you know, participate in multiple different gaming events, find gaming on the concourse, um, you know, meet talent. They will be able to watch the Regs vs. Eki match um, during a pregame event at 5 o'clock. They'll be able to engage with, you know, certain members of FaZe Clan, which I'm mm -hmm. sure that Seabass will go into a little bit more. And then throughout the entire Islanders game, there's going to be esports programming, um, and we're really going to bring FaZe within, within the night. That's absolutely amazing, and I mean, Rahel, just hearing this gets me so excited because we always talk about you know bridging traditional sports and virtual child in this context, and also bringing in phase. It's one of a you know one of a kind of collaboration. We've never seen this before. It's absolutely shocking. Like when I first heard about it, like I almost did a double check. I like, zoomed in on the <laughs> logo. I'm like, 
Wait, hold on. I know, I know that logo. I know that logo. It's absolutely incredible. And like, I know tons of people are going to be excited. Like, even me and Sophia are talking about like, hey, it's November twentieth. Like, can we make it down there? Maybe. I mean, maybe <laughs> we'll plan a little road trip. Sophia, what do you think? I, I, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. You know, in an ideal world, we. I mean, who wouldn't want to attend this event? Exactly. It's going to be an awesome event. I'm so excited for it. Now, Seabass, I'm going to ask you a little bit of questions now, if yeah, you don't mind. Feel free. So, very first phase house, Plainsview, New York, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Mm -hmm. That is crazy. Now, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about not just being in New York, but the history of phase clan being in New York, and how significant is the state to just phase in general? Yeah, it. so just to give some context, yeah. we moved into that first house in November or October, I think November of 2014, so eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And we were, as an organization, just over four years old at that time. And the people that moved in were talking about Phase Banks, Phase Temper, Phase Apex, Phase Rain, Phase Adapt, very you know common names amongst yeah. our, our audience. Um, you know Some of the, the most tenured and most famous and historic members in, in our group. Mm -hmm. And at the time, they were all like either just finishing or still in high school. Um, so when they were talking about moving into a house together, it wasn't the the conversation you'd have with your you know friends on TikTok today, where it's like, oh, let's get a creator house. We can get sponsors. Yeah. We mm -hmm. can you know start making content together. It was like, hey, we don't you know we're trying to figure out what the next stage is to do with our lives, and we're already making this content together. Like, why not? move in, it was the organic, natural conversation that you would have with your friend after you finish college or your friend when you're leaving high school and maybe you're not going to college. You're like, hey, I like, need a place to live. Um, but these happened to be their friends at the time. These were the people they were, they were you know, spending the most time with. Um, and it, it came together you know, mostly through happenstance. Our, uh, our, our sponsor at the time, G Fuel, happen to have their factory and offices in Long Island. They are, are founded there. Um, and they were the ones who were willing to kind of front, uh, you know, paying for us to live in a house. We didn't have the, we were making, we were making some money, not that much money. Mm -hmm. um, and so they were the ones who were willing to put us up. Um, and obviously, you know, it was in their best interest that we be close by. Um, so they suggested to us that we, you know, they get us a house on Long Island that's close by to them so they can like participate and be part of the content. Um, and we're like, yeah, sure, screw it. So, you know, a bunch of like 18 to 20 year olds all moved in from across the country, some from Boston, some from California, one from Sweden, um, all just to, to live together in their first time moving away from home. Um, the concept wasn't even to make content together. At the time, we were already making content together and that was like Ilcams and the other montages that we were putting on the, the our, you know, one big channel. and it really shifted everything in the way that we approached as a collective content. Because at the time, we were all coming together to make like single title pieces of content that went on one page. And mm -hmm. everybody else's individual channels was kind of a secondary afterthought. It wasn't your premium content. The premium content was like, you know, the whole group pitching together to make one video. Mm -hmm. After they moved in, it completely turned that model on its head where they all started to make content that they really cared about and were putting all the effort into on their own channels. So instead of getting like one super sick video that you know 20 people had contributed to every week, every other week, 
now you were getting like seven videos a day on all these people's channels. And it was the, the real moment that shifted, frankly, the, the scope and reach that we are, as an organization had. Because now we weren't just one channel. Now we were seven, we were 10, we were 20, we were 50. Um, and it was, it was the thing that turned FaZe from being this like cool YouTube group to an actual business. Um, and it, you know, it spawned what became the, the tried and true model that we see creators doing today, which is the content house. Now mm -hmm. it's, you say that to anyone in the content game and they know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But that model was formed by you know, us and some other people at, similar, at the you know, same kind of time frame um, coming together without the idea of there being a blueprint. They were like, oh, if we all move in together and we shoot our content together this way, this is the it, We didn't have that understanding. We were mm -hmm. literally just, not myself, but we as a group, we were literally just kids who like wanted to spend more time with our friends and game. Yeah. And and uh, sometimes great things happen when you yeah. when you do it that way. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. And like, Safir, I don't know about you, but like, you know, Sebastian mentioned a little bit of like, it's so common nowadays. Like you just talk about a content creator house and everyone's like, yeah, I know what that is. Like, you know, so-and-so doesn't, so-and-so does it. But like back in 2014, like, that's a huge jump to make, especially when it's a bunch of high schoolers like you were mentioning. Like, I don't know about you, Safir, or you, Jordan. I wouldn't be able to do that. No, and I feel like that was, you know, I mean, it was, it was very innovative, yeah. you know, first, first of a kind. And to kind of integrate that, you know, the, the lifestyle, entertainment, and content to bring it into together at a house, you know, it's truly, truly amazing. Yeah, and it was still all new at the time, too, because yeah. not only was the content, like, distribution model different at the time, like I'd said, but even the content itself was different. At that time, it was all gaming content and all you were getting was the gaming content. Yeah. But once we moved into the house, it allowed us to turn the camera around and start showing people what each other's lives were like and what they were like in that house. And we were surprised to learn, it wasn't the plan. We were surprised to learn, oh, like that's actually what people wanna watch, mm -hmm. right? It, it seems silly to think about it that way now because it's obvious, but right. People weren't getting that from their favorite content creators, especially in gaming back then, mm -hmm. right? They were only getting the gaming, yep. the gameplay, yep. and that was it. They weren't getting anything about who they were or what their lives were like or the stupid things they did in their off time. Mm -hmm. They didn't see any of that. Um, and again, that's part of the reason why content houses are so um, such a repeatable format is because it almost forces you into those situations where, especially when you're younger, you may not want to always be on camera. You may not want the stupid things you do and you know, and the, your inability at cooking eggs or un, lack of understanding on how to do your laundry. Like you may not want that to be on camera, but living together when you're that young kind of forces it out into the picture mm -hmm. um, where people get to you know, form their own, own uh, understanding of, of who you are. And it's, it's very stressful. Um, and there's a reason that people don't live in content houses very long but it does allow, it's for the same reason that you know, people like to watch reality shows. It gives you a different side of someone. Yeah, there's a lot of entertainment value in that for sure. I, I love that. Um, now speaking of innovation, now Jordan, you've been an individual in the NHL scene who's just been extremely innovative. So um, sort of from your perspective, how did this collaboration sort of come about with, with Face Clan? And uh, yeah, what did you see in it? Yeah, I mean, talk about you know, how did it come about? Um, you know, I've always preached that there's just value in showing up to things mm -hmm. and that anything can happen when you show up at these live events and it's something that we really missed out in the entire couple of years of COVID. Yeah. Um, but when the NHL brought back the Gaming World Championship um, and we were out in Europe and we were out in Montreal, I had the pleasure of meeting Seabass at the Montreal GWC when, when Regs was participating. Mm -hmm. 
um, and had the opportunity to chat with him. And when you bring a couple people together with, you know, that are like-minded and innovative and, and are looking to brainstorm ideas and just get stuff done between, you know, their marketing team, which has been unbelievable to work with, and our marketing team, which is really open to ideas and really good at execution, when we put everybody together, I think we were really able to find solutions. And I think a lot of other teams when we originally started the conversation would have been like, hey, like I just don't know if this is gonna be possible. It might not be worth exploring, um, but we just kept pushing and pushing to see how far down the road we can get. And I think between us and you know them over at FaZe mm -hmm. is that both of us were willing to go all the way down the road, even if it wasn't gonna work out in the end, just to see how far we could go. And we were able to get it over the finish line. Oh, I love that. And you know what? Uh, I agree. I think it's, it's always worth it. And NHL Esports, you know, it's one of those things that keeps on elevating. Um, so it's, it's really nice to see that FaZe Clan obviously believing in the scene as well. So um, now, Seabass, from your perspective, what did you sort of uh, see in this collaboration and its potential? I, I think that is the key word, right, is potential. I mean, yeah. so as, as Jordan mentioned, I was at GWC uh, in Montreal. Um, Jordan introduced himself. We were having a conversation. And I think I said something to the effect of like, so when are we going to see Regs play Eki? Um, and he's like, yeah, we're you know we're thinking about hosting hosting them at a game at the at, you know at an Islanders game at the arena. It would be fun. You guys should come out. You know maybe we could do an event together. I know your first house was on Long Island. I'm sure you have a bunch of fans there. And here we are. Like that's really it. I love that. Right. <laughs> it 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 starts with an interest and a mutual kind of understanding of how two things can play together, but also, like I said, peel it all back. Like we're talking about eSports night, FaZe Clan, New York Islanders. But at the beginning of it, when am I gonna see Regs play Eki? <laughs> right? like that's what starts the journey. And I think that um, in whether it's you know NHL, eSports, hockey, uh, just the world of gaming, really anything in life when you have a, a, a passion for something, if, if you can build a plan and an event and activation on the back of the understanding that people are pe eventually going to want what you're trying to do yeah. just as much as you want it to, I think those are always the easiest things for us to execute. And like Jordan said, like I don't know that what it is now is what we originally thought it was going to be or even that we thought what it is now would even be possible. Um, but we, again, it, it Every time, every step along the way, you kind of check back in with yourself, and you're like, "Is this is what the, is the version of what this is now still what I thought was interesting when the, we first had this concept?" And as long as the answer is always yes, you just keep going, right? And that, in a nutshell, applies to almost everything we've ever, at least the good things that we've done, <laughs> right? And maybe right some on, of the yeah. bad things too. But it's as long as. I think with any concept that you're executing, sometimes you can get so attached to it that it becomes something that you didn't originally intend it to be. And I know that anybody has been there at some point in their life, yeah. but at every step along the way, as long as you're like, wait, is this still satisfying the like original passionate desire that why we were trying to accomplish in the first place? Um, and I mean, we can confidently look at this and say, yeah, like we are putting on an event where not only we're going to see, get to get to see Rex Nike, but um, <laughs> we are bringing together the audience uh, in Long Island that originally was invested in FaZe Clan when we did a house there and showing them that their one sports team that's in Long Island cares just as much about FaZe Clan as they did. Yeah. And they want to host an event for those people, right? Because we, 
we talk about Face House New York all the time. I mean, if, if anyone's not, not familiar with us, it, it's a very specifically uh, tightly held memory for a lot of our audience. And the majority of our, of our you know, core follower group came from that time period. And so it's something we reference a lot. Uh, it's it's almost like a you know a, a successful sports franchise referencing their titles all the time, right? right? It's mm -hmm. the same. It's it was one of those banner moments for us, um, and so we talk about it a lot. And it's always just Phase House New York. And if you don't live in New York, especially if you don't live in America, New York just means New York, Times Square, Manhattan, right? They don't know that where we were was actually a small suburb in a in a much smaller yeah. town and. But the people who were in that town know. Those are the people who had their parents drive them an hour to knock on the door and wake us all up. And the people who were in Long Island know that that's where that house was. And it means a little bit more to them. Um, and I'm sure, as, us as sports fans, we know how much our sports teams mean to us, too. Oh, so yeah, yeah. we understand the passions kind of intersect. Um, and so that's what's cool about this for me is like, yeah, I'm going to get to go and see Regs and Eki, and that's awesome. And we're going to do this great collaboration. That's awesome. But I know there's going to be a lot of people in that building who were on our front steps eight years ago who are thinking, wow, this is so cool that this like YouTube group that I love is doing an event with this team that I love. Like that is the actual purpose of what we're doing. Um, and that, that's the part that actually has me the most excited. And I think that's, that is the reaction that we saw from our fans when we mm -hmm. made the announcement last week as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look through the comment section, if you look through any of the posts, you see a lot of these original FaZe fans saying, wow, this is a dream come true, that my favorite team and my favorite esports team, the two groups I grew up watching, are actually doing something together. I can't wait to be at the arena for that. I think that's what we all wanted to accomplish. Yeah, the first, yeah. like... I had a specific memory in mind. There's this, uh, this family named the Falcos in Long Island who had visited our house a bunch of times. Um, this, this awesome father, Phil, uh, and his sons, and his sons, uh, Ant and Jason. And uh, Jason was going through some, a uh, much younger kid at the time was going through some, some real uh, health problems. And so his dad was kind of bringing him by. He really loved watching the guys on, on YouTube. He really loved Tico. Um, and kind of introduced uh, Tico to his his son. They were just like you know local Long Islanders lived in the area. Father's a firefighter, just like you know true salt of the earth people. Um, and we formed a connection with that family that we still talk to them all the time. Um, you know Tico did a bunch of stuff with Jason. He's you know obviously grown up now. I think he's in college, um, and they've been part of our like community for for yeah. so long. Um, and when we were building this, I kind of had them in the back of my mind the whole time. Like, these are the people that we're doing this for. And I show you not two minutes after we announced that Phil the Father hits me up like, this is so <laughs> fucking cool. I can't wait to go to the game. Like, <laughs> and that was the moment. It's like, well, you know, mission accomplished. That's incredible, man. And I think the kind of like one thing I'm getting from you guys that's so exciting about this is like, this is like the first of this kind of event to happen. That's a real pioneering moment going yeah. forward. So I want to ask both of you guys a little bit, like how significant is it, you know, for you guys to have FaZe alongside you with this historic event and then you guys to have, you know, your local like NHL team that a lot of the, you know, people who grew up coming to your, you know, house probably cheer for. So I'll start with you, Jordan. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that we're seeing a lot of what we expected um, but there's going to be a lot of other 
after effects that we didn't expect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we've already you know, heard from a couple other NHL teams that are interested in maybe potentially coming out and seeing it, potentially learning a little bit more. Yeah. And I think those messages are already amazing and show a lot of growth for the league. Um, the NHL has already done an amazing job incorporating esports into their programming with the GWC, you know, having gaming events at All Star and, and other things they've done in the past where they've gotten pro players to game and, and doing stuff around the EA launch. Um, but allowing us to do this is just taking it to the next level. And hopefully we get to see a lot more NHL teams, you know, get on board with not only just traditional NHL esports, but working with their local esports teams because a lot of these markets have esports teams in them. And gaming culture is a really big piece to a huge fan base that's in every one of these markets. So I think as we talk about it, I mean, we say the word esports a lot. We're talking way bigger than just esports. This is not just about competitive. Um, we're talking about casual gaming as well. So bringing, you know, the the, the OGs of, of casual gaming and content creation to the table um, is, the, is the right group to do this with. And, you know, we're, we're really excited to, you know, have the event and, and see how it goes. Awesome. Sebas, your thoughts? Yeah, I think for us, um, there were, at the beginning, it was some, you know, relative excitement. But, um, I mean, we've done a collaboration with an NHL team before. We worked with the Los Angeles Kings. We worked with the, the Leafs in some capacity. And there will be more to come yeah. um, with, with other clubs. But... So when we, when we originally floated the conversation internally, obviously people have the interest in the, you know, honoring the New York house and they understand that connection. Um, but I mean, I won't lie to you. It's not like everyone in the phase uh, building is a big hockey fan. So certain mm -hmm. things need explained to it. Like why this, why this collaboration, why this team, why this time, yeah. um, you know, and just, just how, how it is in, in business, right? You got to explain these things internally, get the building excited. Mm -hmm. um, and I promise you, we've had many conversations with many other teams, whether it be NHL clubs, NBA, MLB, whatever. Um, some, you know, are interesting. Some aren't. Um, a lot of them are mostly interested in, you know, a, a traditional licensing collab. Like, hey, let's put our logo next to your logo and sell some stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's like, okay, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it is what it is. Um, but when we, we brought this conversation up and said, no, no, no. They, they are so interested in working with us and being collaborative on what we're doing here that they're going to let us alter one of their most iconic logos and turn it into the Fisherman phasing up, which that was, in, everybody in the building was like, wait, they're going to let us do, okay, yeah. we're in. <laughs> Every, like it immediately across the board because I, I, I mean, I, I, we haven't done that before. Yeah. Nobody has done that before. No NHL team, no esports organization, no one is altering 50-year-old IP to make a fisherman phase up mm -hmm. for eSports night, right? And so when we learned that, you know, your team was able to work collaboratively with us and had the green light to do that, from then on, it was an easy, easy, easy conversation. Just pure excitement. I could just imagine, you know, someone who's not into hockey in that house just being like, they're, they're changing our logo and putting the phase, like, dude, like, that's absolutely yeah, well, sick. that's what it is. I mean, our... We're in the business of a lot of things, obviously gaming and esports, but for the most part, what you know actually excites us is doing things, whether it's in our industry or not, that haven't been done before. Mm -hmm. um, that, frankly, is how we continue to expand what the industry even is, right? Is you take what it was and you add something else and you pull it further and further away yeah. from you know your own internal or external understanding of what you're even capable of doing. Mm -hmm. um, so the things that always excite us, interest us, 
and you know, get us out of bed in the morning or when we're doing something that we or no one else has done before. Um, and this was, this was one of those things, right? It's not, I think, what we may have predicted. You know, if you told me at the beginning of the year that one of the things I'd be most excited about was a New York Islanders collab, I think I would have asked you why. Mm -hmm. But now, <laughs> looking at what we've actually put together, it's easy to see that, right? Because yeah. we actually have worked collaboratively on not only an event, an activation, a, a capsule line, and all of it is still serving the original purpose of what we wanted to do, what they wanted to do, and ultimately the people who are gonna receive it. It's hitting all the sides. Um, so yeah, I think that's what has me most excited. That's to, awesome. to, to bring it all back though, when I met him at Montreal GWC and we had originally discussed like, hey, we're probably gonna have an esports night. Um, you know, let's see if we can get FaZe involved. One of his first comments was like, can we get the fishermen to hit the phase up? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think a lot of other people and other teams probably just would never have even taken it up the chain, yeah. you know, seen where it could go. Um, but I knew he was serious and that if we could pull this off, um, you know, it, it would take us a long way with their organization and their get, mm -hmm. getting their buy-in. And fortunately, the Islanders are a really open organization to making stuff work, trying new things and being collaborative. And uh, you know, that's how we ended up here. It's exciting. And honestly, props to the Islanders for doing that because even me as a Montreal fan, like I'm now like, I, I said to Jordan before we started, I'm like, I'm gonna go buy some Islanders merch with the Phase Up sign because I wanna <laughs> rock that now. I don't know about you, Safir, but like I, I love when NHL teams and just like these like bigger sports brands or sports teams like are willing to kind of go that extra step beyond besides that typical like hey like here's your logo and our logo let's make some money and do those more innovative things what do you think about that no, absolutely and you know what I want to kind of talk a little bit about uh, the community aspect of it that you talked about because you know when I think about like Esports in general, you know, a lot of these organizations are obviously they're also involved in competitive gaming, right? So to to scale it back and think about the benefits it has for the community is absolutely huge for me, right? Even for for the little kids who are now going to be able to attend this event and, and sort of meet some of the people that they look up to and they watch all the time. I think that's so significant, you know. Like I first got into the NHL space about ten years ago. Would have been I I just know this would have been such an exciting moment for me and to have this opportunity now where you got the Islanders fans and hockey fans in general, and you got the FaZe fans coming together. I mean, you can't beat that. That's just amazing. Um, now, I'm also curious, you bring up Regs and Eki, and they've had a lot of nice things to say about the Islanders. There's a reason why they're representing the Islanders, but uh, I know you pretty much know everything, so can you tell us a little bit about uh, sort of how they came to represent the Islanders in the GWC leading up to this event? Yeah, so I mean, I know you mentioned that you've been in the scene for a long time, and the community has been very tight-knit for a long time. Mm -hmm. I've been fortunate, fortunate enough to be within the community for a couple of years now. Um, and I've been watching both of them play since 2018, you know, since Eki won his first GWC title. And, you know, Regs was still very young at the time, but has, has come up and, you know, become a powerhouse within the space mm -hmm. himself. Um, so I've just been watching them and developed really strong relations with them. And I think as we were building out our Sixes team, Regs was a perfect fit for that from a 6v6 standpoint. But I think on the European side of things that that was still an area to explore with the league. Mm -hmm. A lot of teams haven't really gone that direction yet. Um, but we saw an opportunity there is that we, the Islanders as an organization have a really strong um, European fan base and a big supporter club across all the different countries. And so we wanted to try to honor that audience as well and recognize that audience as well and participate in something over on the European mm -hmm. side of things 
And so by getting Eki to represent us and working with him, um, I was able to go out to Europe and actually attend his event. He's amazing to work with, was really, really involved and, and really open to doing everything with us, creating content, representing the Islanders. Um, and like I said, we made that promise to them that if they had both won, we were going to bring them to UBS Arena. So that's kind of how this ended up happening. And we were able to work with both of them and look to continue to work with both of them. Yeah, I personally love that because I know talking with Eki last spring during his GWC run, he said that you know one of the areas that the esports scene in general can improve on is their outreach in the European regions. Yeah. So to see that the Islanders once again breaking barriers and uh, elevating the scene has been absolutely uh, amazing. Um, now, from your perspective, uh, I'm really tempted to ask you, uh, who do you see winning the the Regs and Eki oh. series? I I mean, so I <laughs> I I don't know. It, Hmm. Tough question. <laughs> I think um, from what I'm seeing over the last few years, at certain points being very invested, at certain points not you know following as closely, um, but it seems like Regs is winning everything. So it's hard to bet against him. Um, but I definitely would say I'm more of a fan, not that I don't like Regs, but I'm more of a fan of Eki. I've met him. He's a great mm -hmm. guy. been following him for, for years. Um, I, I've just always been rooting for him. So um, for that reason, I'd love to see him pull it out. But uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if Regs was to keep the streak going. Yeah. I'll say this is probably a great time to chime in um, about your last episode when Arda decided to make his guess oh, wow. <laughs> on, the, uh, on the champion of this matchup. And by the way, I know Arda really wishes he could have been here for the 10th episode, but he got number nine for that one. Um, so <laughs> what do you take? Huh? He was a little wishy-washy on it. Uh, do yeah. you remember who he ended up going with? Yeah, he, well, he said if, if Eki gets a quick start, he can see Eki winning, but if Rex gets going, it'll be over. Well, I would too. say that's, that's <laughs> what I've seen watching both of them for years, mm -hmm. is that Eki is a very explosive starter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, and, and Rex does take his time, but he knows how to close, especially we saw it this year against Young Grand in Montreal, yeah. that you know, Regs didn't get off to the best start against him. That in that second game, he was able to tie it in, uh, in overtime, uh, go into overtime. And then in, in game three, he was just able to dominate. So it took him a little bit of time to get his legs, which we saw in the pre preliminary rounds as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say Arda was really spot on with there. Eki's going to come out explosive. You know, Regs is probably going to take take the powerhouse on the back end. Um, but we're going to get to see some really exciting hockey. What is the actual format that they're playing on the sixth? Has that been unveiled yet? That has not been unveiled okay, yet. Okay, got, it. Um, got we, it. We will get into that. So, so it's there, we just don't know yet. It's there. Got it. We will okay, get cool. into it. Sorry, no exclusive leaks on the NHL podcast. We tried. Thank you for trying, Sebastian. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it, man. I just don't have my popcorn ready. I'm so excited for that matchup. I, I can't wait for it. And, like, you know, I, I know this is an unofficial world champion, but I, I think it'd be great to ask both of you guys what the significance of actually having a world champion is because as soon as Regs won, it seemed like right after on Twitter, everyone's like, okay, who's the best though? Like out of the right. two of them, which yeah. one's the best? Oh, so, not just on Twitter, like even in the building. Yeah. yeah. Like we said, yeah. like it's great job, but like where's the... We need one more. Role? We need one you more. Know, Reg said it in his championship speech yeah. <laughs> that he was ready for Eki to come over. Yeah. And then Eki posted something on Twitter packing his bag, including his <laughs> own. So what do you think the significance of like crowning an unofficial world championship is? I mean... It doesn't need to be unofficial. First of all, well, he, Jordan used the word unofficial. <laughs> I'm just the, doing the, the, the political the unofficial word. official. We're, we're, we're keeping it, yeah. keeping it political. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> crown an actual name for it. Um, but realistically, I was with both of them the moment they won. 
And as exciting as it was, you could tell there was unfinished business. Oh, yeah. We know both of them for years have been waiting to play each other again. Yeah. Um, they've played each other in the past, way before COVID. Um, and I don't think both of them were either of the player that they are today. Um, like I said, both of them were a little unfulfilled when they finished. They were really excited, they were really happy, but they wanted more, which mm -hmm. is why we are interested in both of them, is that no matter how much they succeed, they are ready to take it to the next level. And I think them practicing and getting ready to play against each other, you're going to see hockey from both of them that you've never seen before. I think they're going to come out really strong. I think you know, global competition is the point of, yeah. frankly, every, every field, let, yeah. alone, let alone NHL, let alone eSports. I mean, we're seeing it. We're seeing it in, in the majority of esports now that are also all finally coming back to the land stage after um, you know after COVID, where there's just a renewed kind of spirit around because they've just been playing online with their region for like three years. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we're seeing it. We finally saw it in Valorant. We're seeing it in Fortnite. They just had a land last week, and all their players are like finally like reinvigorated around mm -hmm. being able to play across across the pond again. And I think this is no different. You know, I think in every field and every craft, people want to play the best yeah. yeah um and i mean as you mentioned that's kind of what makes them so good right is until that they've reached the absolute pinnacle it's not it's not everything to them um but yeah i think that i think that it, it's also part of what what even just validates the the competition even if it's on a smaller scale than other esports we may see mm -hmm. um is for that reason is understanding that there is global competition right there are some games where you know there you don't even see that yeah. Um, and the fact that it's able to exist and thrive in the NHL, I think, you know, is a good is a good testament to the competition that we see. And I mean, at the end of the day, the GWC literally stands for the Gaming World Championships. <laughs> That's true. So you know, it's it, it's meant to happen for sure. And uh, I want to take a trip down memory lane a little bit because, yeah, the NA GWC finals took place in Montreal, and you also talked a little bit about COVID earlier, right? Um, sort of the drawbacks of that. So. Sort of what was, uh, for both of you, what was your overall sort of uh, take uh, and experience like in Montreal? And why is it, why is having an event like Esports Night, you know, having it open and inviting people in person, um, such a significant sort of opportunity for everybody in that sense of experience? Yeah, um, so I actually selfishly enjoyed uh, the GWC in Montreal a lot because it was a closed door. It was just mm -hmm. invitational. Um, it wasn't you know, open to the public. Um, and so it obviously had a smaller crowd and it kind of reminded me of, of the, the Call of Duty events I, I would go to like 10 years ago before it got onto a, a much bigger scale um, where I was like standing behind people like at their monitor watching them play mm -hmm. uh, in like qualifier rounds. And you could like hear them yelling across the room and it's the, here's the game, all right, let's go to the other yeah. side of the room for the end, like the pack just falls. And, it just had a certain spirit that I hadn't felt at a tournament in a long time because nowadays when I'm going to an event, it's like 5,000 people, you know, people want to take your picture, this, that, and the other, um, you know, poor me. But <laughs> it, uh, it was really nice to be able to go to a small private crowd and just sit there and just watch and enjoy the game yeah. um, and just be there purely as a fan. So selfishly, I really enjoyed that. But um, I will say, I think there's a lot more people who would have wanted to be in that room. Yeah. than actually got to be. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I certainly hope, you know, in the future when a world uh, official championship <laughs> is able to take place, I think there's going to be a lot more people who might want to see that. Um, so hopefully we get there. Yeah. 
You know, I think to, to add on to that is I see it from the other perspective, having attended a lot of these mm -hmm. NHL esports events, is that a lot of them have been private closed events. Look at yeah. Caps Gaming Showcase year one, different GWC events. Um, you know, we want to take it on the other side. As he mentioned, there's a lot of people that do want to attend these events. Mm -hmm. We're now creating that opportunity, bringing people to UBS Arena, you know, Regs and Eki, as well as other competitors. I mean, you know from being a competitive yeah. player yourself that these players haven't necessarily played in front of a loud crowd, you know, exactly. screaming, yelling, cameras in their face constantly, like some of the other, you know, other esports have. Mm -hmm. And so I think Regs and Eki are both really interested for that opportunity and really excited for that opportunity to play in front of a big live crowd of, of actual, you know, hockey fans that are not just there for the esports match, but for the Islanders game as well. So they're going to have true oh, Islanders yeah. fans cheering for them. I love that. And Rahil, we, we always talk about, you know, the one year we had GWC during the pandemic, yeah. everything was virtual, but the entire experience in person for both the, the reasons that they both mentioned is significant. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still a firm believer. I think I've said it every single episode we've done now. Like, there's just something about those in-person LAN events that's just, like, reminds me of that, like, split screen when you're playing against your buddy after school and you want to kick his <laughs> butt. Like, you got your competitor across the screen from you, or across on the other screen, I guess you could say. When he scores and you see him celebrating and getting pumped up, like, that, like, pisses you off. It's, it's different than hearing it on the voice. It kind of infuriates you and gets you a little bit more excited, a little bit more pumped up. And then you throw in, like Jordan said, you know, you throw in the cameras, you throw in the crowd reacting and everything. And like, dude, it, I'm so glad I'm not a competitive player. I think it's safe for me to say that right now. Well, it's crucial. It's crucial for, it's crucial for not only the competitors, but the audience, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I think one, when you're a competitor, your entire demeanor changes when you're playing a game at land, not just because I think everything you said is accurate. Um, but the, even just at its core, you're at home, you know, you're playing hot champs, whatever it is. <laughs> you know, you down 3-0, you know, you're getting destroyed. It's like, all right, up A, up A, I'm out, next game. Like, let me go get a snack, next game. Like, you just wash the memory. Yeah. You can't do that at a tournament. You have to, and you're thinking about that while you're playing. You're more cautious. You're understanding, man, if I lose this game, I'm sitting on my ass and going home on the plane, like there's no next game, there's no quit, I'm out, next one. Um, it changes how you play. And even in that, understanding that that element is active in both of these competitors' minds, then you really see that pressure kick in and you really see the people that are still able to overcome that and still compete at the highest level and still ultimately not have it affect their game at all. I think the best players are the ones that don't think about a word that I just said and just play exactly. their game. Yeah. And the reality is you literally cannot get that out of anybody until they're actually sitting in the seat, mm -hmm. right? It's one of those wonderful things in life that's unpredictable. Uh, we see it in, in every, every eSport. It's you can't, at the end of the day, you can be as good online as you want. You, both you the player and me the person who would like you to succeed. At the end of the day, I can't predict how good you're going to be at land until you actually show up and do it. And it's, I, I think, just understanding what those players are able to do, not only for the benefit of those who are in the scene, those who maybe wanted to work with the player, but even the player themselves to validate their craft is so critical. And then the other side of it for the audience, I mean, God, I've been going to gaming guns for 12 years. I can't tell you how important it is as a spectator to be able to sit there and feel all that energy in the room, mm. right? And sit down next to someone you've never met in your life 
and hear them scream and cheer and yell just as much as you care, right? Because again, you're at home, you just put the headset on, you watch Twitch, you might think like, oh, there's a number on the screen of people watching, that's cool. But like to actually, exp it's the same reason people go to watch these games in actual sports. You exactly. want to feel the energy yeah. just as much as you want to see the event. Um, you know, sometimes it's easier to watch a football game at home, right? It's not cold, you don't have to sit there during the commercials and the timeouts and the 40 seconds, but yet 70,000 people still do it every week because they wanna feel something next to the people around them. And not only does it make the spectator experience more enjoyable for those who already are invested, but also it's without question for any game on the planet, the best recruiting tool to get someone interested. Mm -hmm. Right, is I, I can't tell you how many times I've met someone, you know, maybe we were gonna work with or even got hired at FaZe, and you know, I, I will admit it, it may not, not everyone may love to hear this, but there are some people at FaZe who aren't really gaming fans, who are just getting mm -hmm. their entry to it. They're absolutely outstanding at what they do, but they don't fully know the scene yet, and our first answer always is, all right, we're bringing you to an event. And they always come home that Monday, and they're like, I get it now. You just, and there's nothing I can say to them that's going to make that click yeah. until you actually go to an event. It's just the feeling in the room. It's the same reason as why any dad in Canada will be like, kid, I'm taking you to a rink when you're four so you can love this game as much as I do, right? Those passions and that translation is the exact same mm -hmm. for every video game. And it's the reason that you know we're sitting here talking about lands for, for NHL, right? It's, mm -hmm. We feel the same way about it. Yeah, I, I still remember like the second I was in that GD, even before everything started in Montreal, I went in and just saw the bar and saw like all the cameras and everything. And I just got this overwhelming feeling of like, damn, this is gonna be intense. And then every single game we watched, it was intense, it was chaos and it was, I, I, I just want more land events of here. Right. Yeah, it's like, are, are there, I mean, candidly, are there less people at those lands than other games? Of course, right? But those are the things that help you bring more people in. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right, it's very, very hard to have a community thrive around an online game. It's, it's incredibly hard, yeah. right? Even though there may be less people at an NHL land than there is at a League of Legends land, and I'm not acting like it's going to get there, right? But one of those steps that gets you along the way and raises the profile is having more events like that, and is allowing there to be a community that builds around the people that are interested, right? This is proof of that. This, event that we're sitting here talking about literally would not exist if that land at GWC didn't take place, right? You bring people who are passionate about the community and about the, the you know, overall experience of what you're doing and you allow them to help build it up with you, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure there aren't that many people working at EA who are focused on esports. There's some that's great, there's not that many, mm -hmm. right? But you build the foundation for other people to come in and help raise it up and now here's FaZe Clan and the New York Islanders on our own, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you were able to help bring those people into the room. Um, and that, that, like, that's something that just can't go away. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think that's just a perfect example of just kind of that like growth of the sport and hockey. I think we can all agree needs a little bit more of that growth and a little bit more of that love. And I think gaming's a perfect spot to start off there. So um, I'm gonna ask you a question, Jordan. Um, this event is obviously, you know, super excited. Everyone's excited for it. But with Isles GT, can you give us a little hint into what's up the pipeline? Because I have a feeling, 
I know you can't leak too much. I know you don't want to <laughs> say too much, but I have a feeling that there's this year is going to be a really exciting year for NHL esports, and I have a strong feeling that the ILGD is going to be driving that. So can you give me a little tidbit into that? Yeah, you guys are really digging into <laughs> me to get a yeah. you know to leak to leak a, a little bit of news for the future here, but. Um, we're gonna we're gonna keep it as closed off as possible. That's that's um, fair. With with answering your question, but you know we, we made some roster changes to ILGT. I think the new roster is as good as ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch some games. We played some other teams the past couple of weeks, like the Ducks and the Caps. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're able to show kind of the power of this new roster. Mm-hmm. And I know Seabass talked about playing on a land is 100% different than playing online week to week. I would say most of the NHL community has not had the opportunity to play on a land yet. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're seeing, you know, a new 6v6 land in the, in the pipeworks that we are, we believe we have the strongest team um, with experience on land. I mean, talk about regs. I don't think that there's one player mm-hmm. in the NHL community that is more comfortable on a land than he is. Yeah. He could go down 3 nothing, which would shake another player. And for him, that's a zero-zero game. He'll he'll come back three, you know, three goals very, very confidently. I think you just, right? just gave Zephyr <laughs> yeah. a little bit of a flashback there. Um, so I think that the new roster is is really what's going to push our, our sixes and, and GT um, our, our entire season. Um, our, our focus right now is is launching the entire and you know year of NHL esports with this esports night with Phase Clan. And then after that, it's going to be playing in these different sixes tournaments. Our mm-hmm. eyes are on that six v six, you know, European tournament out in Finland. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, we're going to be talking. You know, we're going to be working with the NHL and other NHL teams on GWC, which I think we're going to see really exciting news on. Um, this, like you said, this is going to be the most exciting year of NHL esports. I think during the pandemic, we saw a really massive jump of teams getting involved just because. There wasn't a lot of content to put out there, and esports was a digital-first platform that you were able to create content, have programming for your fans, and when COVID kind of slowed down and live events were coming back in person, hockey was coming back, you know, I think teams slowed down a little bit on esports, but now you're starting to see it come back. So I think since COVID, this will be the next biggest jump that we see going into this year. I think they have the right minds in place at the league office, at the mm-hmm. NHL, uh, pushing the GWC. And I think that the teams are starting to get more on board with it and that we're going to see a lot of involvement from everybody this year. This is awesome. Are you excited, Sapir? Oh, I'm so excited. I think this is going to be, like you alluded to, the biggest year in NHL esports that we've had uh, since pre-pandemic, essentially. Um, also, the, the whole LAN event with Regs and Eki playing in person, when I think of those two players, you know, Eki being a uh, world champion himself and Regs, uh, multiple GWC titles, they have shown that pressure does not get to them. But these are two guys who have shown that. So I'm really interested to see what happens once they do actually uh, uh, play in person. Um, also, to your point, obviously, it's, it's been great seeing that you guys have been collaborating with, with various NHL organizations, competing at the highest level. I was very impressed with Isles GT series against Caps Gaming. Honestly, I did not expect the results, but very impressed and <laughs> obviously expecting a lot more <laughs> moving forward. Um, so you talk about uh, sort of uh, the progress of NHL esports, and I'm also wondering about FaZe Clan. And, as a result is of this collaboration, do you see any other opportunities for FaZe to be involved in NHL and NHL esports down the line? I wouldn't say directly. You know, mm-hmm. if there's something coming up, I'd maybe indicate to that. I wouldn't say that there is right now, but I definitely think an opportunity like this and an activation that we're, we're putting off is almost kind of like sending the bat signal, mm-hmm. right? And we'll see what comes our way. And I think we're obviously open to, open to having those conversations. Um, you know, I, I think uh, 
the reality, and we've shown it here, is that we're interested in being collaborative. Yeah. Like those are the, if it doesn't really matter big scale, small scale, we like being collaborative and we like testing the limits and pushing the boundaries of things. Um, and so when, when NHL Esports is in a place where, you know, we can have those conversations, I think we'll be the first ones there. And I think from a collaboration standpoint that this is not a one and done, mm -hmm. you know, collaboration that we are going to see, you know, what's next. And I think there's more opportunity to build upon it and, you know, build upon the hype talk about merch and retail. Um, I think there's going to be other opportunities, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to see CBAS Bassett future NHL Esports Oh, events. definitely. That's I love awesome. that. Yeah. It's so exciting. I just, I, I, oh my god. I can't tell you how exciting it is just being, just listening to you guys talk about it, just getting excited about it. Now, for anyone out there who's, you know, involved with, you know, an NHL organization, if they're involved with an esports organization, I want to ask both of you, what would, what would, like, if you had a chance to speak to them directly right now, what would you say about the future of, you know, NHL esports and esports in general kind of collaborating together? Yeah, I mean, I would say we, we touched on it earlier is when you have the right minds together, just be open to the conversation, be open to new ideas. Seabass talked about how it's evolving. This idea is evolving. It's mm -hmm. not exactly how we started it day one, but we still have the goal that we had in mind in day one. And so that we're willing to, you know, try this and try that and see what works. And mm -hmm. then eventually we get the right product. And I think that's exactly what we did. Like I said, we were willing to take it all the way down the line. And even if we got everything made and it shut down the day before, like that was something we were willing to do. Um, I think that we had the right people on our side working on it and we had the right people on their side working on it when you just put everybody together. Um, you know, great things happen. I think we're gonna see an amazing night on, on December 6th. Awesome, Sebastian? Yeah, I think, um, the thing I would love to see most from not just, I mean, this is relevant to NHL, but even just game, uh, you know, um, sports teams and, and their, their gaming counterparts um, is, is just finding a way to crack the, you know, lack of, of progress with getting mm -hmm. the players involved specifically. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I'm sure Jordan, I'm not going to go into full depth, but Jordan understands what I'm talking about. It's not that easy when you're working at a team level to involve the players who are on that team in outside things that aren't already within the scope of what their relationship with the team would be. Um, I think the reality of that is mostly just bureaucracy. It's a hundred-year-old league and they have pretty tried and true practices. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to create a new upstart entertainment venture such as you know, your esports arm of your team's franchise and immediately have the rights to, you know, get these guys involved. And I understand that there can be red tape, it's business, I get that. But at the end of the day, especially in 2022 and every year that moves forwards, these players are gamers. Mm -hmm, yeah. the, almost every athlete in every pro sport, they have a lot of free time and they're spending it gaming. Mm -hmm. And I think that in order for a lot of these um, you know, activations, leagues, and ultimately the versions of them that don't even exist right now uh, that are to come, I think one of the things that's most effective or could, would be most effective in helping get there is having the players not directly be involved, but even at the table, part of the conversation, you know, participating in the experience, helping you know, understand even what's going on. Um, and I know that, again, I, I don't want to get myself in trouble, but I know that from all my experiences over the years working with different teams and leagues, it's, it's not as easy as, 
as an audience member might hope it would be. To mm -hmm. like, oh, I love this team and they have an esports team and this player on this team is a big gamer, so let's get them, you know, it's not that easy. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is the one biggest, you know, uh, kind of aha, you know, silver bullet moment that would really drastically change the scope of what it's like to be an esports venture outside of a sports club and really bridge the gap. I think that is like I, I don't know about you, Sophia. I can't do that, and neither can you. No. To be clear, I'm preaching the <laughs> but I, like it, different that, powers that be <laughs> higher powers than us. But I, I love that you mentioned that because during the pandemic. I, there's one moment I remember, and I lost my mind to my girlfriend about this. I remember the Montreal Canadiens, I don't know if they put out a video or if it was one of the players directly, but like Tyler Toffoli, Brendan Gallagher, and like two of the other guys, like they were literally like posting like clips of them playing Warzone. And I'm literally like, oh my God. Like I, like, I love my Montreal Canadiens, but now like my love for those four guys just went through the roof because I'm like, oh my God, they're playing Warzone. Like, I wonder if I could play Warzone with them one day. Like, that'd be so cool. I don't know about you, Sabir, but like, if you could get like Mitch Marner to play a game of like NHL with you, I think that'd be pretty fun. Yeah, which actually the Leafs gaming league, they did do that a couple of times, at least in the first season, if mm -hmm. I remember correctly. But no, generally speaking, I uh, totally agree with you. And it, it is something that we talk about in the community, right? Getting the players who are so heavily invested in the community. They have the experience, they have the knowledge, right? I mean, I, there's just so many names I can mention right now. Um, you know. And, and they have so much passion, get them involved, you know, with the NHL teams, whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, the, the very people that are in the NHL space, let them lead the charge. Uh, I think Jordan's been a, a fantastic example, you know, the Caps gaming, they've been a, 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 an amazing example as well. So hopefully we see more of it. Obviously it's a lot of work, but uh, yeah, definitely a hopeful future. Um, and also, unfortunately, we only have a couple minutes left in the podcast, but I did want to leave some space for you guys to make any concluding remarks, and then I think Rahil has something for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no, no pressure. I mean, I don't have anything specific to add. I think we've already, you know, gone through the, the key points. I just want to thank you guys for, for the platform, for having me on, and big, very gracious <laughs> to the Hawking News. been reading it all my life. Um, so really appreciate, you know, just, just working with us, showing your interest, and, uh, Hopefully you'll drive down on December 6th. Maybe we'll see you there. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to get off work now. <laughs> the, uh, the only thing I would add is, you know, these are two professional organizations that to get this done, this wasn't just me and Sivas having okay. a conversation. I mean, we had everybody involved. There was marketing, ownership, legal, uh, sponsorships, everybody from both organizations. Design. Yeah, design, definitely. I mean, we have to... If you look at the, the Islanders fishermen doing the phase up, I mean, that was probably the first thing we had to get approval on and, yeah. and design made five revisions of it. So we had to have every piece of the company, um, you know, invested in this. And I think we were able to see that on our end. We were able to see that on their end. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way to get something done the correct way, yeah. which, you know, we feel we've done. So, um, you know, this has been amazing and, and we really appreciate you guys bringing us on. It was a great trip to Toronto. and. Like, you know, like Seabass said, you know, I've been following the hockey news for a while. My, my father has, my, my grandfather has, so yeah. it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. Awesome. Well, listen, we thank you guys both for being a part of this. I mean, this is, I think I speak for everyone, where this is an awesome episode. Me and Sphere, we're excited for it. And um, you guys are going to be the first pioneers of this little thing we're going to be doing. <laughs> so Jordan is the first, I believe the first non-Canadian guest to be in person with us. So it's going to be a little <laughs> redundant for you, but we'd like to thank you. Safir went out and got it with some authentic, 100%, no, no, no like pre-made brand stuff. 
We're getting you guys some authentic Canadian maple syrup. I mean, it, if it's authentic, it can't be it's bad. I'm telling you, it is going to be life-changing. I just ran out of mine. Perfect. See, this, <laughs> this is perfect timing. But, um, CBS says it's good, yeah. and you say it's good, it's good with me. It's going to be awesome. So this is the official announcement now. Any non-Canadian <laughs> guests, if you come on, you're getting some Canadian maple syrup. Wonderful. So, um, yeah, I think we can. that's a perfect way to end off there. Jordan, Sebastian, we really thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for having us. This was awesome. And um, we hope you guys listened and loved watching and enjoyed. And uh, thank you guys. And uh, on behalf of all of us, have yourselves a, a great night.